It's time for Tom Girl with JJ Jurgens. A different breed. Welcome to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. On this episode, we're talking to Broadway, theater, TV, and film actor, philanthropist, and self-proclaimed lover of boats and oysters, Julie Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Currently be seen on FX's Fleischman is in Trouble, streaming on Hulu. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> Especially with the time change. I know you're all the way in LA and on the East Coast, so... Well, I know, and you're the one that's you're you're on the late end of it, and the storm's coming. A, in. I appreciate. I'm it. a night. I'm a night owl. It's all good. <laughs> okay, good. Well, let's first talk out, out about this new show, Fleischman is in trouble, and how your role came to be, the audition process. Just give me all the details. Yeah. So um, we shot, I guess, about a year ago now, and it was interesting. I had uh, I was going on a girls' trip to Mexico, and this audition came up the night before. I left and I was packing and I was thinking, Oh God, can I really, can I really do this? Can I really prepare, you know, fully? Cause you never want to audition for something unless you feel like you've, you've really prepared and you don't want to just throw it together. And so um, I took a look at it and I was like, this sounds really fun. Like I like the team that was involved with it. And um, it was interesting because one of the things originally that was supposed to be part of my character was she was supposed to be, um, having a very intimate moment with a wax figure of Brett Michaels. <laughs> and I'm thinking, huh, how does that, am I okay with that? What is, what is, what is it? Why? Um, and eventually that sort of changed. Um, if you've seen the show, it ended up by being uh, some photos that her and her friend had taken on a girl's trip to Vegas that, uh, Toby Fleischman, uh, played by Jesse Eisenberg, takes a look at while he's hmm. he's my doctor and he sees these pictures and he has this sort of image of who I am in his head and that he imagines someone sort of complex and sophisticated and then he sees these images and he realizes that I'm just this normal person who happens to love to party and went on this girl's trip and is anyway his idea of me is sort of crashes to the ground but um I just thought, I thought the part was, was funny and interesting. And I have this, I had this great scene with Jesse. Um, and at, at the end of the day, it's really for me is about the project and the team that's working on it and the writing. And, and for me, everything just sort of came together. I was able to put something together last minute and it just kind of worked out. I, I didn't find out for about a month later, because uh, usually when you know, people are auditioning over the holidays. It takes them a while. You know, people are kind of gone over Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's. And um, so I didn't find out until January, which was about three to four weeks later. So for all you actors who think that it's over, it's not over till it's over. Um, but anyway, I was, I was really excited when it happened. And um, yeah, I mean, the project, I just, I don't know, I'm really honored to be a part of it. I think that the show is wonderful. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it speaks to a lot of people, uh, a lot of different themes and subjects, and it says a lot. And I think Taffy's writing is is pretty incredible. So, And your first scene where you're introduced to Jesse's character is your you've just had been an alcohol issue and you're, ro- you're <laughs> hospitals. Right. Yeah, so... So I am, um, I have a liver condition that I was, uh, Karen is born with. And eventually this 
drinking binge that she had in Vegas sort of triggered it. And she is unconscious. And there was this whole, um, you know, I had to go into special effects. You know, we had makeup runs and makeup trials and they have a medical team on board for things like that to, you know, try to figure out what someone with Wilson's, that's the name of Karen's disease, would look like and what stage is she in. And there were many different shades of yellow <laughs> until we settled on the right one. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, it was, it, it got very, very yellow at one point because we weren't sure how it read on camera. And then I remember I showed up to set and uh, when I, I didn't even really meet Jesse. He didn't introduce himself to me because I think he was so taken aback by my appearance. <laughs> I showed up and I was just like very highlighter yellow and all the producers just sort of stared at me and they were like, what, what, what are we? Um, I think that that's, yeah, I, I don't think that maybe we should take it down a little bit. <laughs> so watching everyone's face realize that we, we had to tone it down a little bit, but you know, stuff like that is always different on camera and different with lighting and they can adjust certain things after the fact. Um, but that was, yes, Karen, unfortunately is in the hospital unconscious um, for a lot of my work. And then uh, of course I have that, that one great moment with Jesse. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the Vegas trip did not agree with Karen, unfortunately so much. <laughs> yeah. You talk about what a great crew it was, you know, what yeah. was it like working with uh, Jesse and Lizzie? Uh, well, unfortunately, I didn't get to do anything with Lizzie. We didn't have any scenes together. Um, but Jesse was, he's so down to earth and he's very, very sweet. He's also one of those people that he wants to get to know everything about everyone. You know, he asked everyone on set, you know, where they went to school or where they're from or what their parents do. And I, I kind of get this idea that he actually remembers stuff. My dad is kind of like that, you know, he'll five years later, he'll, he'll say, Hey, uh, how's that guy doing? Who's from Boise, Idaho, whose dad was a farmer and he remembers everything. And I feel like, I feel like Jesse is kind of like that. And he takes a real interest in people. And um, it was really nice getting to see him work too. Cause his character, especially a lot of those hospital scenes are he has a, a lot to say, like mouthfuls of dialogue and watching him as an actor try to get those things out. And, you know, it just, it showed me that he's, he really is a very down to earth, real person. Like I, I just, I really loved working with him and it was very funny. We had, um, when we shot that scene that we had together in his office, uh, he, at the time I, I was pregnant. And so he, he knew I was pregnant and, when the whole, I, I don't, you know, spoiler alert here, but um, there was a whole like licking of the face thing came up <laughs> and he was very concerned that there might be something in his makeup that could be harmful to me or the baby. <laughs> I was like, I think it's okay. We're probably just going to do it once or twice, but um, it was very, it was very funny and very sweet. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a great experience. Well, he is a dad in the show. Yes. So for those people who don't know or haven't seen it yet, tell them a little bit about what the premise is and what they're gonna what they're gonna see. Yeah. So he plays a liver specialist who works in a hospital in New York, and uh, he's married to. Well, he's when the show starts, he's divorced from uh, Claire Dane's character, uh, Rachel, and they have two kids together. And the story is really about him kind of finding himself and. He gets on dating apps. So it's about him having this sort of rebirth of his, you know, single years and, 
you know, uh, also about shared custody and trying to figure out what that means for the two of them. It's also a lot about middle age and kind of like the expectations that we have growing up and where we should be and the things that are supposed to make us happy. And then what the reality of that is. And I found that particularly resonant. I mean, I think a lot of us do, whether you're in your thirties, forties, or fifties, that sort of middle of life, you know, what am I supposed to be doing and the pressures of what that's supposed to look like. And there's this amazing scene at the end of the show uh, with uh, Lizzie and Jesse, and they're, they're sitting on the, uh, let me know if you know what I'm talking about. They're sitting uh, on the floor and they have this conversation about this hypothetical book that uh, her character might write. Cause she's saying, Oh, I should, I should reinvest myself. I should start working again. And I'm going to start writing. And the story, the hypothetical story is Toby Fleischman's story. And while she's talking about his story and what happens throughout the course of the show and um, what happens when his wife disappears. So Rachel Fleischman sort of disappears and we don't know why, but she kind of, you know, is MIA for a lot of the show. And we eventually find out, but um, uh, Lizzie, uh, I, get, I think her character's name is actually Libby, but um, she starts to realize things about herself and her own marriage. And, you know, she lives in New Jersey and has this sort of suburban picture perfect life, but she's not happy. And it's, it's the themes in that, that, that scene and in the show are so beautiful, the way Taffy sort of wraps it up. And um, it's just, it gets me every time. I've actually watched that scene numerous times because I just, as an actor, as a woman, um, I just feel like I didn't want to miss anything. And the performances are so lovely and the writing is so good that uh, I feel like if you want to know what Fleischman's In Trouble is about, I feel like that scene and and the like last five minutes of the show really Taffy does a great job of if you have any questions about what her writing or what the show is about that sums it up so yeah, yeah I'm with you it was just the, so realistic too and even the kids performances just the things that oh. they, they would say to you are just just so <laughs> realistic and, and what yeah 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 yeah. Well, let's talk about you've had quite a journey and you've done so much. I mean, from Broadway to off-Broadway theater. Let's kind of just talk about where you started and how this journey began for you. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm from New Orleans and I, I started doing community theater there when I was five years old. Uh, so the journey started a long time ago for me. And I not only love acting and I loved the stage, I loved music, uh, but I love the people that were involved with that creative process. And so for me, I, I chose the life not only because that's who I was and I felt that it sort of chose me not to be cliche, but I, I feel like everyone finds their calling, right? We find the things that, that we're talented in those gifts that we're given in life and, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to use them, then, then we do it. Um, but I chose it also because the people that are involved with it just felt like kindred spirits to me. They're exciting. They're always reaching for something and, and in a way like never, never satisfied, which can sort of be heartbreaking, <laughs> but also those people who are never truly just satisfied and complacent are the ones I feel like that are doing groundbreaking things and creating new things and pushing themselves and pushing the people that work with them. And so, um, I went on to college and I studied uh, theater, uh, musical theater, actually, at um, Cincinnati Conservatory, and then moved straight to New York and started doing 
theater and off-Broadway and then eventually Broadway. And then I went out to LA because why not? <laughs> I mean, partly because, uh, you know, this, the winters here just, they just kill me. They're just really hard. Uh, like a lot, like a lot of people, the gray cold. Um, and so that was part of the reason, but also I just sort of, I needed a little change and I, I was always interested in doing TV and film. Um, I had done a little bit here and there, but I think in a way that I felt like as long as I was doing theater, I would never really invest myself in pursuing TV and the film because not that it was a cushion, but it was another outlet for me. And, and I felt like I needed to kind of rip the bandaid off. And if I wanted to investigate this other interest I had, this other talent I had, that I had to kind of to actually, you know, immerse myself in it. And so um, I moved out to LA. I loved LA. I still love LA. Um, and um, my my now husband, a uh, longtime boyfriend at the time, his business kind of took off in New York. And, you know, luckily, you know, I can do what I love in LA or New York. And so I ended up back here. And um, and here I am. And then when I came back here, I, I continued to, to do TV and film and um yeah, I, I love New York and I love LA. I mean, the cities are, are quite polar opposite in a lot of ways, except that they're full of, you know, people who are really wanting to do wonderful things and, and sort of shake up whatever industry they're involved in. And, and I love that about both of those places. So. And how is it for you? Like, I'm sure there's like, there's a love and a passion for you being on stage with a live audience and having that experience. And then also being on a set with a crew, like what's the difference or how do you get those? It's so different. I mean, I, I, I love the theater and there is definitely the energy that is exchanged between, you know, audience and the performers that are on the stage, you know, you can't really, you can't replace that it's it's inexplicable um you know when when the actors are kind of in a groove on stage and you know that the audience is is getting what you're what you're doing and they're appreciating it and they're you know there's there's kind of like an immediate gratification um and you know obviously when you're working with a crew and when when you're working on a tv show or a movie there's a little bit of uncertainty, you know, you feel sometimes like, you know, I feel like that work was good. I hope that that, you know, I hope that that reads or I, you know, and, and at some point you have to let it go because it's, it is about the process and it is about those moments that happen between two actors on screen. And then you, you know, we all second guess ourselves in life. Um, but I find, you know, in theater also, you know, it happens and then it's gone. And then when you do something on film, it's, it's there forever. <laughs> so, um, but there's, I mean, it's, they're just completely different worlds other than the fact that, you know, there are people who are creating and storytelling. It's really all about the storytelling. So. Do you remember your first, first time on Broadway? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I was doing uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Everybody remember that one? <laughs> I grew up with that movie. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a remarkable experience. I was uh, understudying the lead and I really never expected to go on. I was in my early to mid twenties and I God, it's horrible. I mean, it hasn't, has it been that long, but I, I don't remember what happened to her if there was a death in the family or if she was sick, but I think I was thrown on in previews or something like that. And um, I, I went on opposite Rola Sparza and 
uh, he was very wonderful and, and very lovely and giving. And I remember him saying, do you want to do anything? Do you want to go over anything? And I felt, I felt very confident. I don't, I mean, I know I've been doing it my whole life, but you know, you think when that moment happens that you're going to completely just freak out (laughs) and, and I, and I didn't, it's funny how when you surprise yourself like that, I guess, you know, when you, when you, train and you work hard and that moment happens sometimes something in you just kind of comes to the surface and reminds yourself that you know this is what you you're ready you've been doing this your whole life and whether it's acting or whatever field you're in I feel like that happens yeah and a testament to you to being ready and clearly you you know we're doing your understudy role and we're ready to be there when that opportunity came for you. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like I wasn't nervous <laughs> trying to be like, Oh, I got this. <laughs> but, but I mean, in some ways you have to sort of be that, be that cheerleader for yourself and remind yourself when opportunities present themselves that, you know, this is who you are. And also that the reason, you know, most actors choose this career is because they love it. And if you're not enjoying it, and if you're not having fun, then, then what is the point? You know, I mean, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Um, So there is always a lot of pressure, you know, whether you're doing a role in a TV show or on a Broadway stage, of course, there is pressure. Um, But it's, you know, you have to be your own coach and remind yourself that yes, there's pressure, but it's, it's, it's fun and, and I enjoy it. So. And now in the TV world, you've done everything from daytime soap operas to primetime to the mentalist. Talk about some of the shows you've worked on or some of your favorites. Yeah. So, um, I love doing, um, I had a recurring on days of our lives and it's funny because when I got that part, I was so excited. Um, it was kind of like the first, you know, recurring thing that I had done. And I didn't know though, at the time that my character was dead. So there was a finite, <laughs> it was a finite moment for, uh, for my character at the time. Well, not um, a soap opera though. That's true. Anybody can come back. Anybody comes back. <laughs> um, it, very, very, or they have a twin. They have an evil twin. That happens a lot. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was great. It was also really cool to be in a makeup chair next to, you know, people that I had seen on TV when I was, you know, younger who have been working in the daytime world for, you know, 20, 30 years. And, uh, it, it was an interesting though, the character was, I was doing a monologue into the camera. So my character was, was recording something to be seen by someone later. You know, she thought her husband was trying to kill her and, and so she made this video and I didn't actually get to act off of another actor. And a lot of times we find safety in each other because you're not creating the moment. The moment is occurring. You know, you're making choices, you're present with the other actor and then kind of magic happens. And, and that's, that's, that's what good acting really is, is about. I mean, you come to the, you come to the table with certain things and then you let the rest happen, but in this particular instance, it was kind of felt like theater work a little bit because it was a monologue and it was just me on the set. And I must say at the beginning, I was very nervous because, you know, you're on a set with people who have been doing days of our lives for a really long time and you're the newbie and there's pages and pages of monologue. Um, but everybody was very, very kind and, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I also worked on uh, The Mentalist, 
Um, and I don't know, it was fun. I think it was the last episode or, or the second to last episode. Uh, so I was glad that I was able to, to do that right before, right before it ended. I know it was on for a really long time and I used to be a big fan of the show and, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the cool things too, that, that you do sometimes are those things that people don't even know about, you know, like a little independent film here or there. Um, I worked on a, just a short, um, when I lived in LA, um, that was with a director, Amanda Moresco. And we just one night did this, you know, 10 minute film. And, um, I just feel like it was, you know, magic. Like you can tell when people get together and they're like, doing something cool and we were all like on the same page and the energy was really great. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've had some pretty, I've been very lucky and, and it's been kind of done like a wide array of things, but, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of fun and I've, I've been very lucky, I think. What are some of the, you know, lessons you learned or things that you wish you knew sooner? Oh, I, I wish that I knew that there was no like right way to do something like a right way to read a scene that it was really just about what you bring to the table and your uniqueness and the choices you make. And I wish that when I was younger, I had had more confidence in myself because I feel like that might've opened up more doors for me when I was younger. Um, you know, I, it is very interesting. Sometimes I feel like the people that you think are the most confident and sure of themselves struggle with anxiety or struggle with self-doubt in really big ways. And it can be so self-destructive. And I mean, being an actor, you know, there's nothing to make you feel more unsure of yourself than choosing to be an actor. Um, but, uh, you know, I always say if one of my children wants to do that, I will support them. I was very lucky. I had parents who supported me, but I want to get them a good therapist early in life because, you know, it really does. It really tests your mettle. It tests how much you know yourself and how much you believe in yourself. And so I wish that I had, I wish that I had just known that there was, there was no right way. And all the voices you hear telling you things, you take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes there are people, teachers who know better than you or people that you look up to that give you little nuggets here and there. Um, they give you advice and you take those things. You know, if they have a critique, you take them. I mean, the college I went to was pretty cutthroat and they would let you know exactly how they thought you were doing. Um, and it, it prepared me. Um, but you also have to take that with a grain of salt. Otherwise, it'll just it'll just kill you. <laughs> so, Yeah. You're using, with all of your experience, now you're using your voice as in your platform to speak out against about certain things that you faced or have witnessed through your career. And one of those is, um, you know, typecasting and ageism in Hollywood for women. What do you think or say about those issues? I mean, there, there's there's so much to say about it. I mean, it's kind of a, a broad subject, so we could go on and on about that. But I will say... Um, a typecasting is just something that everyone faces. I mean, I even feel like, you know, people that are, you know, A-list celebrities are typecast. So it's nothing that's like, you know, unique to me. Um, but it is, you know, it can be frustrating because a lot of times how you see yourself is not how other people see you. And a lot of times the industry will dictate to you um, what it is that you're going to do, especially, you know, early in your career, even in the middle or, I don't know, throughout your career. 
Um, and so, you know, we as human beings are, we're all very complex people. So to pigeonhole people, pigeonhole creatives, um, it seems sort of counterintuitive to what the industry is about. Um, the industry is about, you know, creating and, you know, what we study as actors is, you know, how to use who we are and then also use our imagination to create someone that we're not. Um, so it's a combination of those things. Um, so it's just it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. And then as far as the ageism, well, there's, there's ageism everywhere. That is definitely not unique to the entertainment industry. I mean, I feel like everyone faces it. I feel like everyone faces it, but I will say, I feel like women definitely face it, you know, a lot more than men do. Um, I feel like that is sort of indisputable. I don't know. Maybe someone would like to dispute me on that. <laughs> um, but I just feel like the pressure on women in society today to stay young and to stay beautiful. And um, it's not realistic, this kind of unrealistic body image. I mean, now, you know, everything is airbrushed and touched up and we think that that's how we're supposed to look in real life. And I, th I do think that I see a glimmer of, of hope in the industry because I, there's a lot of people writing stuff that just want people. They don't want Barbies. They don't want people with like no marks on their face. They want, they're writing real stories and they want real people to tell those stories. And so I, I really do think that that is happening, um, you know, with, I mean, I guess, I don't know even how long it's been happening now, five to 10 years, I feel like, you know, with the emergence of Amazon shows and Netflix shows and Apple TV and like just the content that we're watching, I think is changing and is becoming a little more grounded and a little more gritty and a little more reflective of real life. Um, and I, I definitely appreciate that. So I just think that as women, we really have to be advocates for that. I mean, we all fall into the trap, you know, of, you know, I, I have my skincare regimen. Don't get me wrong. Like I love it. Like I'm, I want to stay looking good. I mean, it's, it is part of, you know, not even just the industry, but just life. Right. But at the end of the day, like, isn't it sort of about who we are inside and what we're bringing to the world and what we're bringing to the table. And there's so much pressure put on people, especially women, um, to appear a certain way and, and not enough focus on who we are and the good that we do. And I know it sounds sort of silly and hokey, but nobody talks about it anymore. Um, and now that I have kids, I'm like reminded to sort of model that for them because if they don't see it in me, how are they going to learn it? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It, it's been really interesting the past, the past few years. Mm -hmm. And I know you also said now that being a parent, it's also you're passionate about talking to other women about balancing parenting and a career. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, it definitely changes your priorities. Um, it also kind of just sort of flips your world upside down. Yeah. I had my first child later in life and, um, and you know, I had this entire existence where I was a single woman and only had to focus on myself. So then all of a sudden I have, you know, a human being that needs me and what that does to your insides, um, the things that it makes you think about and question. I mean, first thing, it kind of expands you in this really great, awesome way, um, you know, for better or for worse, it sort of expands your whole emotional life. But 
you know, it, it, I don't know, it makes you question like what it is that you really want in life. And for me, I have sort of come back to the idea that I have to remain who I am um, and, and who, who, who I am and the gifts that I have and uh, the career that I chose before I became a mother. Um, and it is very interesting how the industry, how the entertainment industry views women and motherhood. And I was very nervous when I had to kind of reveal to the team at Fleischman that I was pregnant. Um, you know, there's this whole, you know, period where, you know, you're thinking, is this a viable pregnancy? Like, am I going to even, is, am I going to, you know, is something going to happen? Like, do, when do I reveal this, you know, and not even just to the people that you work with, but your family, friends, like you don't tell everyone right away. And so I remember I was kind of in the clear and um, we, we actually just had the scene with Jesse to shoot which if you watch the show, it's really the only scene where I was like, this is the one that could, you know, you could see that I maybe had a baby bump or I might have to reveal something. And it was the last one that we shot. So I remember I was so nervous to tell them, I was afraid that they were going to be upset or that they were going to, you know, feel inconvenienced if they had to move off a shoot or, and everybody could not have been more lovely. So all of my fears were, you know, in vain and, uh, everyone was supportive and congratulatory. And, you know, even when I got to set, I remember um, Sherry, uh, Sherry Springer Berman, the director. Um, I remember her telling me congratulations. And I said, Oh, thank you so much. And, and she said, you know, that's, that's real life. You know, that's, that's what life is about. And, you know, this, like, this is just awesome and fun. And she's like, but that's, you know, that's awesome. And it, I, there were a lot of women involved in that production. I mean, uh, the writer is a woman, uh, the, well, the direct, a lot of the directors, uh, were actually married couple teams. Um, and then a lot of the producers were women and, um, everybody was very, very understanding. And I do feel, you know, once again, like the industry is changing with regards to that, you know, being supportive of women who want to be mothers and then, you know, want to come back and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not just a mom now that, you know, I gave birth, I'm still me and I'm still an artist and I'm still an individual. And it's, it's nice to see that people are starting to recognize that. Mm -hmm. You also are big, have a big heart and do a lot of philanthropy and, and give back. You want to talk about some of the organizations that you're involved with? Yeah. So, um, I worked for a bit with, uh, an organization called women to the front and, um, it has been a little while since I've, I've worked with them since I've had my kids, they've taken up a lot of my free time. Um, but, uh, they, they do a lot of fundraising for small 501c3 nonprofit organizations that are, uh, progressive organizations that support women that support, uh, voting rights. Um, it just sort of depends on what the political climate is, what the need is out there. Uh, one of the organizations that they fundraise for is an organization called Southern Echo. And, um, they are based down in Mississippi and they do a lot of work with redistricting and trying to teach communities about how to draw those redistricting maps themselves so that they can present them to the state legislators um, so that they can have a voice. I know that there's been a lot of awareness raised about that recently with, you know, what's going on politically in the world. And it really does make a difference. There are so many people in this country that don't have voices because of just because of the way that the voting maps are drawn. And a lot of those people don't have the representation and don't have the education to come forward and bring that to their state legislatures to actually make change. 
Um, so they've done a lot of stuff with voting, a lot of stuff with women's rights. Um, and it's just, a yeah, they, they do really, really wonderful work, Women to the Front. Uh, also, um, my, my husband has, a, he's a restaurateur, and he has a few waterfront uh, restaurants in New York City. And a couple of them are on boats, really cool historic boats. And they are uh, oyster bars, seafood, seafood focused. And they do a lot of work with a Billion Oyster Project, which is trying to kind of rejuvenate the oyster beds in New York Harbor. And uh, the menus are, you know, our chef, Carrie Heffernan, does a lot of, you know, sustainable seafood and things like that. Uh, so that's, yeah, those are some of my my passions. Yeah, that leads me in. I want to know more about the boy, boats. <laughs> I thought that when I read that, dude, I was like, oh, look, I have to hear about this, how you got involved in that and just more about that. Yeah, so um, my husband and I are both from New Orleans. We met in New York, funny enough. We both had to come to New York to meet our, our soulmate in, you know, from New Orleans. Um, but he, he started off as a boat guy. Uh, he can kind of fix anything. He figures out anything. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, but so he started out, you know, getting boats and fixing them up and then either flipping them or creating businesses around them. And then he and his brother thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool? We should have a bar on a boat. We should have an oyster bar on a boat because who doesn't want to have oysters and cocktails on a boat? And uh, so, so they did. And their first, their first restaurant was Grand Banks, which is in Tribeca in New York on the water. And you really don't feel like you're in the city when you're there. It's, you know, in the summertime, you know, I always, you know, sometimes I'll think, you know, oh, I want to go somewhere else because I go there a lot. But then I think, where else do I want to go? Nowhere. When I can be on the water and the sunsets are beautiful and um, the food is great. Um, and then they have quite a few other places now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, he's kind of become this restaurateur and I'm so proud of him. And he's, they're sort of expanding. They have a couple more land-based places now that are not just waterfront, but uh it's very interesting. I little fact that no one knew about me is that um, I <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. I know. I feel like you're excited. Um, so he started a uh, sailboat charter company years and years ago when we first met. And you know, in between acting jobs, I um, I was a deckhand, and I learned how to sail. And I, you know, I remember it's very funny. There were numerous times that I would toss the line into the water and the captain would be quite upset with me. So, you know, don't give up your day job, day job, Julie, <laughs> stick to acting. But, but I did, I did develop a love for it. And um, there's really, you know, other than, you know, you know, shooting, shooting a TV show or, or being on the stage, uh, there's nothing like being on the water. Do you guys take a lot of boating trips then? You know, we haven't. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of, we take a lot of trips that are, that are by the water or, you know, beach based vacations. Um, but we've never actually gone on a trip that was, you know, a chartered sailboat or something like that. I feel like we should do that. Have you done that? No, I haven't. Mm-mm. Cause I knew you grew up by the water too. Well, yeah, just on a lake. So I have always loved boats. My uncle was a boat salesman. So I was just always fascinated by boats all the time. Yeah. Boat shows. I just love to see them. I just think yes. so great about being on the water. Yeah. The Newport boat show. Have you been? It's so great. You no, come out east. That one. It's mm. a good one. <laughs> We go to the boat parade down in Naples uh, every Christmas where everybody, they decorate their boats. Um, so I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so much fun. It's, it's, you got to do it if you're ever out here for the holidays. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> well, 
and I know where I'm going to go eat next time I come to come to New York City too. Yes, please do. Just let me know before you come so we can take care of you. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet of you. (laughs) I mean, I hope they give everyone good service, you know, but. Awesome. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you about, because I know I've seen some adorable pictures. You're a big uh, rescue dog and cat person. Talk about I that. am. <laughs> I know you are too. Yeah. I did a little, I did my research too. Um, yeah. So uh, we've had, we've had rescue dogs uh, for a long time. And um, I just don't understand why you would, you know, buy a dog or a cat when there's so many great pets, you know, that are waiting for good homes and, um, yeah, we have, uh, my dog, Sam right now, she's, God, she's 14. I I've had her since she was a puppy, but I uh, rescued her from a shelter in long Island, um, North shore animal league. So anybody out of New York or long Island, get your, go to North shore animal league. Um, they've got a, they've got a good group of puppies and kittens, old dogs too. senior dogs really like are the ones that really need a lot of love. Um, yeah, we have another rescue bless his heart. He's kind of a mess. His name is Harry. He's a German shepherd. And we always say that Harry's not quite as smart as he looks. And German shepherds are usually really smart. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. So I think, um, I think Harry has had quite a few owners before us and and I know why. And you know, our other dog, it's funny enough, has never really accepted Harry. Uh, she does not like him too much. And um, we, when we realized that we tried to find another home for Harry. I was like, this isn't fair to this dog. Uh, you know, he should be in a place where everyone loves him. And, and uh, we didn't have luck. And I, I was not, I was not okay with just leaving him somewhere, leaving him with anyone. I wanted to find him the right home. Yeah. Um, and I guess, and here we are. Was it <laughs> five, four or five years later, five years later, Harry is still here. Um, and then, better? Oh, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> it's just the status quo. Yeah. We're just a little, we're just a zoo here. Um, and then I also, I have a, I have a cat that was a stray when I lived in Los Angeles. I, I had a small little studio in Hollywood and I would hear her meowing and, you know, it started off where I would feed her and she was super friendly. So either she had been someone's cat, you know, we scanned her for a chip to make sure she didn't belong to anyone else. And, um, or she, you know, she'd just been around people her whole life, you know, and she was very friendly and I would feed her. And then I would call her at night and she would, and she of course was sleeping inside my apartment and there are coyotes and raccoons and plenty of cars. And I didn't want her to get hurt. So she would sleep inside. And then when I moved back East, I felt bad taking her away from her stomping grounds, right? Like this was her, this was her, her hood. This was where she lived. Like this was her, you know, this is, I feel like she like owned that neighborhood. Um, but I, I didn't want her to get hurt. And I felt this responsibility to, to take care of her. So Kitty got on a plane with me and got relocated to Brooklyn. So now Kitty lives in Brooklyn with me. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I really, there, there was a while where I was, um, going to shelters and, um, you know, taking pictures of, of dogs and trying to get them adopted. And, um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I really, I didn't have the stomach for it. Uh, it was really upsetting. And, um, hopefully there are people who have the stomach for that because it's a very worthy cause, but for some reason, animals just really tug at my heartstrings and it, 
I feel like if I had a, you know, three acres out somewhere, you know, maybe if I move back to California one day and get a lot of land and I can have a dog sanctuary and, and I can take them all. But, um, obviously, especially in New York, I'm not gonna, <laughs> we already have three pets, like three pets and two children. It's crazy in here. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yes, please adopt. Uh, it's nice to see that some States now are outlying uh, breeding and pet stores and things like that. So I think that that's a step forward in the right direction, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's hard. I, when I, I fostered for a while and I'm, I'm with you, I, I, I loved it. One hand, it was so great, you know, cause it was nice to kind of help have a little impact or part of these dogs lives, but I was so torn up every time, you know, how did you let go of them? I mean, you must've gotten attached and it was really hard, you know, and cause, cause a couple of them, you know, would go with somebody that I, that I knew wasn't right, even when I was getting placed, you know, and yeah, that's what was hard for me is because I was like, no, that I knew like, this isn't going to work. So they would, you know, kind of tossed back. So So uh, how many do you have? (laughs) I have one. Oh God. How did you escape? (laughs) No. Well, I'm kind of saying with you, I'm, I'm renting right now. And I'm like, if I wish I could, you know, have a more land, a bigger backyard, I would, I would. Yeah, definitely. A bunch of them in. But. Yeah, boats and dogs. <laughs> yeah, boats and dogs. We're gonna <laughs> gotta move back to Nebraska and I can have all, all of that. <laughs> anyway, um, well, before I let you go, is there any advice you have um for people who maybe you know want to be like you, aspiring actors out there? Um make sure that you really love it when you set yourself on the path. Um And then just really believe in yourself, do the work, do the work, and then believe in yourself and let it go. Um, Trusting in yourself is the hardest thing. Uh, As an actor, it's necessary. You know, you can't be questioning yourself while you're doing your work. Um, You can't be questioning yourself while you're auditioning. Do the work and then know who you are and and then let it go. And I also... I also would say that it is very important. It's been important for me to find other things I love in life because I feel like it makes you a better actor. Uh, and it, that might not be the case for everyone. I know everyone's journey is different as an artist, but I feel like it makes you a more full person. And therefore I feel like it makes you a more full actor. So that would be my other piece of advice. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing. Okay. So before I let you go, where can everybody see your work? Well, right now, Fleischman is in Trouble is streaming on Hulu. So go to Hulu and check it out. It's great. Uh, the cast is wonderful. The writing's amazing. And it's a really, really incredible show. Well, I want to thank you so much. You're absolutely amazing. It was so great to have the time to talk with you and listen to so you. So great to talk to you. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And you can follow along with all things Tom Girl at Tom Girl TV on Instagram, Facebook, and the website. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time and get out there. Tom Girl.